Hello and welcome to episode 285 of Retro Encounter, RPG Fans Weekly Podcast of Many Topics. I'm Mike Solosi, and we're joined by the same panel as last week to talk about the same game as last week, Suikoden 3 for the PS2. But who's that panel? It's fortunately 3 and not 107. Starting <laughs> with Leona McCallum. Hi there. And Zach Wilkerson. Hey there. And Alana Hayes. Hi there. Uh, Leona, Zach, Alana, I went into Suikoden 3 uh, expecting to just be, you know, intrigued to play a Suikoden game, and I ended up liking it, I, I don't know, maybe even more than I thought I would. I had, yeah. I, I binged this game super hard the past uh, week or 10 days or however long it's been since we recorded, uh, and it, it, it wasn't a struggle. I, I uh, beat this game with a, a full day or maybe just under 24 hours to spare, uh, and... I, I didn't have to like stay up overnight ruining my uh, game selection choices this time. Um, I, I had a lot of fun, but let's give an overall impression before we go into Suikoden specifics, just to set the tone of the podcast. Um, Zach, you mentioned a while ago that you haven't played this game in 15 plus years. How, how was revisiting it? Um, you know, I have some issues with it, which we'll talk about. Um, I don't think it stands up to some of the stronger elements uh, or some of the stronger entries in the series, like two and five in particular, but I probably prefer one as well. Um, but I like it better than I liked it the first time. Um, I mean, the first time I played it, I played it right after Suikoden 1 and 2, and I just wanted, like, Suikoden 1 or 2 are so interlocked, and Suikoden 3 feels, you know, it's 15 years later. So um, so I, I don't have that criticism of it this time, but I have others. Um, but I still think it's a rock-solid RPG. All right, and Alana, you're in the same boat as me playing it for the first time, uh, but you were... Uh... I mean, I mean, so engrossed that you finished it. I think even before we recorded the first episode. But what are your what, what's your overall impression? Yeah, I think I really like it, and I think more than anything, it like solidifies why people are really clamoring or are desperate for another one of these games because like Sweden Three is a very different take on the Sweden formula. Um, again, I think I'm on the same page as Zach in that I. I think I prefer one to it as well, and two certainly for sure. I've I've got, I've got fairly few fundamental problems with it. I just don't think everything works. I think it's over ambitious at times. Like it does so many things that are so different to one and two, and I think that's great. Um, but I don't think they all quite work together quite as well. Um, but again, I think it's a really good game, and I really really enjoyed my time with it. Um, I was kind of forced to finish it early because I had other things I had to get through. But I'm glad I did because I I I really struggled at times. I think we'll get into my issues probably more as we go along but i think i really struggled with the pacing i really struggled with yeah. the multiple perspectives at times and i just think some chapters could have done with a bit of shaving off of things and yeah i mean i really like this game i would absolutely recommend it it's one of the you know considering that the opinion on by the fans is so split i think it falls right in the middle for me like i really like it but absolutely see both sides i see why some people think it's amazing and it does so many good things and i see why it's some people's least favorite i get both sides but yeah it's very I, good i i saw that both both sides thing very recently i was uh doing a web search for some Suikoden 3 thing uh, when I was in the late stages of the game. And I, I and two of my results back-to-back -back were, why do people actually like this game? And uh, he, like 
13 Reasons Why Suikoden 3 is the best Suikoden game. And it was, <laughs> I, 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 like, the uh, fan opinion is divided on this one. I, I'm, maybe it's because I haven't played a Suikoden game in two and a half years, and the good parts of Suikoden 3, like the, uh, I would, I would say the, the assemblage of the 108 characters and mm. the high points of the storyline, I, I really enjoyed in the moment. Um, Leona, I think, uh, before, us all playing it for the episode you had played sweet in three the most recently of us because mm -hmm. zach for zach it was many years ago and for alana and i it was never um so yeah. so how, how was revisiting sweet in three for you this time oh um still a joy honestly um I, I i still love this game a lot um i played it a couple of years ago um like as a replay so this is like my fourth play of it in like the last oh my ten, well like in the last like ten years, <laughs> but um, no, I, I really love it, and I I don't know I think Suikoden just has that sort of tasteful edge that I like really like in an RPG. It's not it's not you know the sort of exploitation sort of thing that a lot of um, JRPGs kind of go for, and it's always very tasteful and very classic, and it's always got a focus on the story and the characters, which I always enjoy. I think the transition to PS2 was clunky, but the heart was in the right place, I, I genuinely think. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I, I still love this game a lot. You know how a lot of games, and, and, and mainstream ones and more niche ones, are sometimes will have a scene where you uh like like a game you don't want your parents watching you play like like mm -hmm. a game that's maybe otherwise good but has mm -hmm. just a, that just has a moment or a scene or a particular mm -hmm. character that's like that are like oh man why did my mom have to walk into the room during mm -hmm. this time right always every every time every time yeah, yeah, we we we've all played games like that. I'm not I'm not going to name names or name games, but I, I don't think Squeaky in Three has a single scene like that. It's no, like, oh, not these, really. I don't think any of them are... do, right? Like, no, I think no, tasteful. I, think so. I think tasteful is a really nice word to use because my mm -hmm. brain immediately goes to it's a more mature experience, which is like the really bland, mm -hmm. like the the standard thing to say. But it is mm -hmm. right. Like you think of all the other series that were around at the time. I think even like Wild Arms, Tales of, all these like Japanese mm -hmm. um anime style like games and yeah they're way they they, they pander way more to tropes than Suikoden does and Suikoden panders mm -hmm. to different tropes but like it does it in a really adult way and I think particularly for Suikoden 3 like two of the main cast are adults and the other two mm -hmm. are children but they are forced to grow up in because they are in positions of that or they will be in positions of power in the, the case mm -hmm. of Hugo and in the case of Thomas, he is in a position where he has to grow into this role. So, yeah, I think tasteful is a really lovely word to describe this series. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Um, and I think um, the ga these games always have a sort of uh, realistic and true emotional core to a lot of their characters and a lot of them the main story beats where it's like you don't you don't have to make these big leaps of logic really uh, to understand a character's motivations you can understand them pretty well and they're always pretty realistic yeah agreed on all counts like this is this is a game that was sort of tastily uh, tastily whoops tastefully <laughs> oh my Okay, there, maybe there are some tasty parts. There is there. a cooking mini game, and and, 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 a, and a recipe hunting side quest. So mm -hmm. this game is is, and a lot of people just come equipped with food. Uh, so, but uh, so this game is tasty, tasty and tasteful at different times. And uh, and again, like there's maybe because the story has so many moving parts, and because there isn't as much I don't know anime 
BS that I would that makes me roll my eyes at, at other games. Uh, mm-hmm. This weekend series as a whole, and three being emblematic. This is a game that's a, an RPG that's a little bit more grown up than a lot of the. Uh, I don't know, the, a lot of the mainstream series that we've talked about on this podcast a lot of the time. But let's uh, go into the actual Suikoden 3 story. We really only introduced the main characters in the previous episode, and uh, each of the three, um, f- uh, let's say, Flame Champion candidates has their own first three story uh, chapters that you can complete in any order. Uh, you can do all the, like three Hugos, then three Chris's, then three Ghettos, or one mm-hmm. each in, a, in a, a loop-de-loop, as long as you you know, stay in one, two, three order for each character. Um, mm-hmm. And in and, and Hugo's chapters, again, Hugo is a, a resident of the Karaya village, which is one of the six uh, grasslands villages. And in his chapters, um, he journeys to Vene del Sexe, then goes back, then sees his village burned to the ground. His best friend, his close friend, Lulu dies. And then he, uh, him and his companion, Sergeant Joe from the duck clan uh, visit other grassland villages in, including the Lizard Clan's uh, uh, city, and in, in his chapters are the only place where you can go to the Great Hollow where the Lizard Clan lives. And yeah. um, in, in sort of an attempt to just uh, to find his friends and family from Karaya to make sure they've gotten out okay, a lot of them are in Great Hollow. And eventually he meets a young woman named Lily, who's the daughter of the president of the Tinto Republic to the south, <laughs> and then meets up with a... Uh, a knight named Mua, who's from these the sort of free uh, of he's from an order of knights from the east. I think maybe he might be from one of the cities that where Suikoden Two takes place. And then you also meet a man named Halleck, who is a barbarian sort of type from the north. And all three of those people, Lily, Halleck, and Mua, are looking for the Flame Champion. And Hugo is like, well, we're also trying to seek the Flame Champion so we can so we can you know unite the Grasslands uh, together to um t- to stop Vene del Sexe. I should, or I should say, stop the Zexans or the Ironheads or whatever. And so uh, the four of them, plus Joe and others, end up journeying around. Uh, and after you do an event at Chisha Village, the elder of Chisha says, "Well, okay, I, I you've helped us, and I trust you. So here's mm-hmm. where the Flame Champion resides." And mm-hmm. uh, all three of those chapters, the, the Hugo, Chris, and Ghetto chapters, end with, "Let's go to this um, secret Flame Champion Champion hideaway." But uh, what do we think of the of the Hugo chapter characters? Because in in a way, like um, he he sort of stays in his home area in Grasslands. But uh, you meet people from all over the Suikoden world and end up with a pretty motley crew, uh, of, of which uh, Lily is probably the most amusing, and um, and I, I think Joe is looks the least grounded, but might act like the most grounded of them all. <laughs> What other game can you think? There's like the Duck Clan Village, and they're this serious group of like militant ducks. Like <laughs> so well animated, and this well, Sergeant Joe's really good because he's like a father figure to uh, Hugo in a way, isn't he? Like mm-hmm. I didn't bring this up last time, and I wish I had. We'll bring it up now. Like the bit I, Hugo Hugo's a frustrating character for a while because you know he's 15 years old and he's just watched his best friend die and. All he wants to do is take revenge and there's that bit where he meets Chris isn't there and he like uh-huh. stares her down and he's like I hate you um but like when Lulu dies and his like body animation like it just visibly shudders on screen uh-huh. I remember being like oh my god so like I was immediately 
thrown into his like emotional state, which was which was good because I I kind of like Hugo. I think his story's a little boring, um, but unfortunately, mm -hmm. I feel like. And maybe this just because I read around a little bit while I was playing, but Hugo feels like your prime Suikoden protagonist. Like, he may as well be a silent protagonist at times. Um, mm -hmm. like he's I wish he was a little more silent at times, in fact. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. He's not that bad. I, I, he's not that bad, but I also I enjoy silent protagonists being uh, the mm -hmm. Dragon Quest persona and Rudy Rough Knight from Wild Arms fan, fan that I am. Uh, <laughs> but... Uh, like you're, you're, I think he Hugo feels like the most natural choice to be the main character of this game in a way, and and I think that Hugo, Chris, and Ghetto are so different. They each almost deserve to be a main character in their own RPG. But um, I, I'm with you on the Duck Clan. It, like outwardly, they're the most silly, cartoonish thing about this game. But their their village is like a uh, is a, a charming, mostly fishing village, um, and they have like a, a serious. Uh, edge to their uh to, to their guardsmen in a way because like like sergeant joe is a is a very serious-minded character in a ways but then like one of the other duck guardsmen has his halberd with a, a fish for a blade and yeah. it's like <laughs> this is a game with a you know serious military clashes and joe is this great grounded character but they're all but they're a bunch of you know like <laughs> a bunch of uh carl barks scrooge mcduck family characters <laughs> yeah terrible. He also has one of the darkest backstories of any of the characters, which is quite sad. Oh, I, I don't remember. I don't know this. Is, is, is this yeah, in the text the, of the game, or is this is this in one of the the audio in things? Investigations, yeah. Oh. Oh yeah, with the reporter kid. Yeah, I didn't do yeah. many of them this time so, around. So, so yeah. what is it? Uh, it's like his daughter died of like oh, an illness geez. and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or his wife or something like that. Yeah, I can't remember exactly. Oh, no. but so it's like this, like this, this, this ridiculous duck character. <laughs> that makes that line where I can't remember the specifics of it, but he says mm -hmm. to Hugo, doesn't he? He's like, if you go into battle, you can't. You have to expect the enemy to do mm -hmm. something like you know what i mean like when you if you mm -hmm. draw your sword you have to expect the consequences or something like that mm -hmm. that yeah. makes that take on a whole new meaning potentially and his whole relationship with uh hugo sort of like that yeah. father figure that he has he's probably replacing yeah. something yeah, I, yeah. I, don't, I don't i don't think he's going to uh um uh, marry lucia or anything but he definitely is a father <laughs> or a mentor figure yes <laughs> and it, it feels like um and i think it's one of the sergeant joe is one of the things that makes hugo feels like the most sweet and protagonist because and not giving anything away about future ones, but like the Gremio Nanami characters mm -hmm. who sort of like functioned as like yeah. mentor or over them figures in the first two Suikoden games makes Hugo feel like to me, and I agree, like he, he feels like the right choice for the flame champion mm -hmm. um, and as the protagonist, even though he is significantly less interesting than Godot or especially Chris. Yeah. I also think Chris and Godot just have like natural true ruins anyway in yeah. their story they don't need it <laughs> Hugo right. needs one Godot definitely does not need it and when we get to Godot like I almost don't think he ever would be the flame champion given that yeah. Godot was with the flame champion 50 years ago yeah. like such a weird I, choice yeah, yeah. And, 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 and Chris has a natural connection to the water rune that we will definitely mm -hmm. get to very soon yeah. but uh, so, so again Hugo feels like the natural choice for the flame rune and, and he's the most I don't know, like Suikoden feeling uh, protagonist in of the trio, but uh, I, I think that Chris and Godot are such good characters that, and maybe uh, uh, that I, I think the the designers wanted to make them options, and uh, and they wanted to definitely have a multi multiple perspectives angle to the game. 
So mm -hmm. yeah. I, I think that those are interesting design choices. But I mean, I mean, I made Hugo my flame champion in, in part because he felt like the natural choice. But and, and also, but also mostly because I just really, really liked having uh, 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 the Hugo Fubar combination in my party. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, absolutely, yeah. It, sure. it, it, it was a not a struggle, but it was a there was a reluctance every time I went on an excursion to get money or 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 something and didn't include fubar <laughs> yeah i mean i just had so many skill points for fubar at some point that i was like yeah oh my I don't god need to level him up anymore yeah <laughs> I, I i i think fubar and uh maybe emily and maybe one other character besides hugo i had over two thousand skill points with their skills maxed out yep same here so let's move on to chris then uh chris and her or and her five night buddies get to team up a lot in her chapters but in uh in in chris's chapter two you're mostly dealing with the uh with the aftermath of the um sneak attack from the lizard clan onto the zexan forces that lead to the zexan forces um escaping through Karaya village uh and and chris is still sort of haunted by her killing lulu in self-defense uh through her uh through all of her chapters but um there's a uh, a really interesting meetup with Jimba, who is one of the uh, residents of uh, of Karaya Village. When Chris and one of her um, knights decides decides to visit Ixe Village, which is a border, which is a Zexan village that's sort of on the border of Zexan and Grasslands, mm -hmm. um, and uh, and Ixe is really close to um, your castle town. So I, I would pop in and out of Ixe quite a lot over the, the course of the story. Um, but then Ixe is attacked by the grasslands. Chris has this encounter with Jimba, and like, uh, and after you duel Jimba, like while their swords are clashing, Jimba like creepily whis whispers in her ear, "Seek out the flame champion." <laughs> well, it's pretty important to note here as well. Like in chapter one, when um, Chris is in uh, the Karaya clan village, um, she spots her father's armor outside one mm -hmm. of the buildings, and right. that's foreshadowing. Um, but and, and and Jimba is t tending to that armor in yeah. Hugo's chapter one, saying that uh, it, it belongs to someone in from uh, from the Zex and uh, Confederation that he once knew, and he was keeping it for that person. Yeah, uh -huh. doesn't Jimba also say like to Chris, like your father's still alive, or you want to know more about your father, or something like that? And, yeah, yeah, it's like it's yeah. like your father's still alive. Seek out the flame champion. Might have been the the two things that he said to her. Yeah. So <laughs> it's uh, it, that's a very pointed statement that if you've already played this game, and you, which you probably have if you're listening to this podcast, like well, like why are we even dancing around it? Um, <laughs> but uh, at the end of um Chris's chapter two, she uh, meets up with Nash again. Nash is someone that she met uh that she that she meets earlier in that chapter. And he says that uh, if you want to experience Grasslands for yourself, you should, you know, visit it for yourself. So we get a costume change. Chris literally lets her hair down and um, and puts on a, you know, tasteful green jacket. Uh, or is it a tasty green jacket? And Oh, God. <laughs> uh, I thought, whoops. And, and um, she, sneaks, <laughs> she sneaks out of Brass Castle with Nash, who always says that he's married which we we mentioned last episode <laughs> um so like like we promise there's nothing sexual between us uh video game player between nash and, nash and chris and chapter three is chris visiting different parts of grasslands including chisha village which she defends during her chapter three and duck village in which in which uh those two duck guardsmen temporarily accompany nash and chris um, which is when I first noticed that uh that fish design on one of their halberts <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, and it ends up with her in her chapter three going to Alma Kinan. Uh, they meet up with Huber, uh, the man in black, and Sarah, the woman in blue, and Albert, the man in white, and the mysterious masked mage. <laughs> Uh, who, and do we ever have a name for that group? Not really, no. Uh, they're basically the antagonists by the end of Suikoden Three, and it's not, and it's not a secret that they're bad guys. But well, it's, it, I didn't even realize, figure out sort of who the central bad guys were until I had done a couple of these chapters. Because, uh-huh. like, is it the uh, is it the Zexan Council? Is it Harmonia? Uh, the holy empire of harmonia generally it's like oh no it's, it's kind of them but really it's these four jerks i don't i'm i'm well, gonna debate you on that we'll get to that well, well yeah i'm gonna say i think you're probably just saying that because there's obviously the last chapter isn't there of the game yeah <laughs> but yeah i guess that's the point though isn't it like i think both Sweden and one and two do this as well like it's not like who the bad guy is is ever like mm-hmm. and Sweden and three probably does it most on the nose um like you mentioned the multiple perspective systems or the trinity science system like this game is very 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 obvious about telling you that there are multiple perspectives in this war and like everybody has a different <laughs> villain and a different good guy and a, you know everything so mm-hmm. yeah it, it's absolutely fine i think it's understandable that we'd all be like well i don't really feel like anyone's bad but like that's always been the point of this series, I think. Like, I mean, I know yeah. Luca Blight was evil, but like, at no point did I ever think that Joey was bad in Sweden too. Like, he did bad things, but like, you know, that's life, baby. Yeah, yeah that's, you know, that's kind of <laughs> that's kind of Sweden's whole shtick. He's like, yeah, yeah well, that's life, man. Kind of unfair, unfair, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I think it's it's. I think maybe this might be one of my bigger issues with Sweden Three. Is like, I think it's a little bit too obvious. It's trying to mm. ram it down your throat, kind of thing. Like mm-hmm. nobody's bad. I'm like, yeah, I I know this because the last two games were kind of like that a little bit. Like, <laughs> but. Yeah, I think Luke's group in particular, which I think will be the focus of the end of the episode. Um, yeah, I- I've got good things and bad things to say about them, so I'm going to save them for that. Um, but yeah. Chris's chapter um, kind of overlaps with Hugo's a little bit, because if I remember rightly, in their chapter three, they both end up in that same village, don't they? And there's like an army battle outside of it. And Close, close. In, in Chisha, they do meet. Uh, Chris arrives there before Hugo does. There is an army battle outside of it later, I think, in chapter four. But uh, you, you you just sort of fight a squadron of uh, of um, of those bu- of those beetle knights um, uh, yeah. led by Franz, um, and I I think Chris and Hugo or or maybe just Hugo fights Franz directly, but maybe um, but there's but, definitely but it, something where you can make a choice, and depending on what choice you make in one chapter, you don't have to duel in one chapter. I don't remember where it is, but it's the village where Sana is, so the one who takes... Yeah, that, that, yeah. that's Chisha yeah, that, Village, but... Yeah. Um, but, but they go different places uh, av- after Chisha. Yes. Um, Hugo, Hugo goes directly to the Flame Champion hideaway, and Chris goes to uh, Alma Kinan, the, um, the forest village of only women, um, mm-hmm. and has a... <laughs> And has a rather heartbreaking scene with um, with Yun, one of the uh, oh, yeah. one of the girls there. Uh, Yun has um, has has precognitive gifts, and uh, uh, I think is is uh, is Yuiri or uh, or Yumi um, Yun's sister, or do they sort of all call each other sisters in that village? It's hard to tell. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm not sure. I don't know if, it, as you say, if it's just we all call each other sister, or if it's like her biological sister. 
Right. So there's there's three uh, women from Alan Kinan that sort of uh, interact with the party. The um, the youngest of whom is Yun. She can see into the future. Uh, when Chris and her team visit there, uh, they're, they're apparently not against men visiting the village because there uh, there are some men in Chris's group. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, oh, she meets up with the uh, oh that 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 knight and his uh, hapless squire. Uh, oh, oh, Max Fred and Rico. Fred and Rico. Yeah. Yeah, Fred and Rico. That's it. Uh, so there's not no problem with uh, with Fred or Nash entering the village, mm-hmm. but uh, they in, in that village um, they mentioned that they are defending the seal of water, which is a basically a ritual location that seals the power of the true water rune, mm-hmm. and uh, they're un- undergoing a ceremony to preserve that seal. But that ceremony involves the willing sacrifice of Yun, which mm-hmm. is which Chris is horrified by because there's, there's like human sacrifice is something that is not in the Zexan culture at all. But mm-hmm. uh, like both Yun and, uh, and Yuri and, and Yumi sort of all force Chris to back off uh, the, the four manipulative bad guys show up intending to, to free the water seals so they can get, cause they're after the, the true water rune mm-hmm. and uh, Yun dies anyway, uh, even though you fend off the, um, those four, I mean, Chris just has an unfortunate tendency to watch young people die in her chapters, I guess. Yeah. It's, it's also it's also one of my favorite sequences in the game in terms of like, it's something I wish they explored more, like the sort of like philosophical differences of Zexan mm-hmm. and um, Karaya. Uh, because like Chris's reaction to it is like, this is just like mumbo jumbo garbage. Like this doesn't mean anything. Like she's like coldly logical, mm-hmm. um, and the people of Karaya are often like very spiritual, especially the people of Amakanan. Um, and I think it gets to some of the conflict that you would have seen between them for so long, like in why they, why they have been in conflict for so long. But I also think it characterizes Chris in a really interesting way, like in the ways in which she views the people of Karaya. Um, and I, and, I, and if I have one criticism, I actually I have more than one criticism of this game. But <laughs> one of my criticisms of this game is like you have like these different philosophical religious beliefs between like these three countries essentially, and they explore it really, really, really super effectively. I think in this sequence where Chris basically like says like, okay, like you're going to do what you're going to do, and that's who you are, and I accept that. I think it's kind of a beautiful moment. But like that's kind of it in terms of the push-pull of the philosophy of these different groups and areas. Is it, it, it's, it's amusing and interesting to me that of all of the villages that have that value, um, like, like poetic language it's the lizard people, right? <laughs> and is it like, Oh, which, which of these, uh, five tribes is most likely to compose a sonnet? It's the lizard people. Are you but saying the, lizards uh, should be uncultured or? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm saying that just the, uh, like because they're the largest and most and most warlike of them, it makes it unusual that they're also the most poetic. Those are two um, th- those are two <laughs> things I don't necessarily always connect it to each other. I I, I loved it. Uh, uh, Chris eventually does find her way to the flame hideaway, and uh, and then you um, have Ghetto, who's uh, and and Ghetto's crew of four. I'm sorry, crew of six is are t- technically all have different backgrounds that we don't even know about. Um, uh, except for uh, except for Isla, who we know mm. is a survivor of the Karaya village. Uh, who is, you know, like his team of five becomes a team of six at the end of chapter of his chapter one. And then you basically roll with those six for his whole uh, run of things. Um, and they're a border guard from Harmonia, which is the empire to the east of the play space of Suikoden three. And Calaria is sort of their border town that you visit a couple times, but they have another border town, Labuk, which used to be a grasslands town. 
but was conquered by Harmonia mm-hmm. decades ago and has sort of like in in the ceasefire that's been lasting 50 years uh like Harmonian control of Lubuk was a uh was a condition of that ceasefire so the people of Lubuk are Harmonian but probably still identify as being from grasslands and there is uh, there's a disconnect there and uh, and one of the residents of Lubuk Franz uh is like trying to he he's uh, god uh, we were we were talking about a character from ff14 stormblood uh, a few weeks ago who again was a uh, a um person viewed as a traitor by her own people huh. because she's, because she's trying to uh, because she believes that siding with the occupying force is, is what's best for her people and that's the same arc that franz goes through he he's from Lubuk. But he, uh, yeah, you, you realize who I'm talking about. <laughs> I mean, I do. I, I don't know yet. No. <laughs> it's an RPG fan podcast, so FF14 will come up eventually. <laughs> um, but the, uh, but like Franz being from this Grasslands tribe, that that's part of the Harmonian Empire. But he, but he's, but like his struggle is just another, like aspect of, uh, of, of a game set during wartime that make that is just i don't know it's just an interesting angle not not otherwise explored mm-hmm. in speaking it. i i thought it was I, like i i mean going between calaria and labuk and going and uh like hiking up and down that mountain path a bunch of times isn't much fun but uh but but that that sort of character arc i i thought was great yeah i mean like that, that brings us to one of my favorite scenes in the whole game uh which is a little jumping ahead a little bit but we're talking about labuk when like when um they free labuk later in the game um and, oh, the punch! Yeah, and Godot, <laughs> like, and all the people of Labuk kind of hate Franz because he's like, you know, they, they think he's a traitor to them, um, sort of like Fordola. Um, they uh, when Godot punches him and says, "Like, what did you do? You didn't do anything." Oh, it's amazing! It's such a good scene. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, that's in chapter five, but uh, Sorry. maybe my, maybe my fa- maybe my favorite Godot scene in the whole game. But uh, amusingly, when uh, it's time to go to the flame champions hideaway instead of like obtaining a treasure map like Chris does or being told by the elder of Shisha village like Hugo is ghetto's just like, no, nah, I know where it is. Let's go yeah. yeah. There's a scene at um, the castle, isn't there? Cause we haven't talked about the castle at all yet. Really? Um, you have to, I think it's, either, I think it's the end of chapter two, isn't it? Um, where Joker goes down to talk to ghetto or it might be early in chapter three and ghetto reveals to Joker that, um, he was one of the people who fought alongside the flame champion 50 years ago and that he is the wielder of the true lightning rune which is one of the 27 true runes and yeah of course he would know where the flame champion is if you know you fought with him 50 years ago uh, yeah he was one of the flame champions lieutenants yeah. and uh and, and you get a full you get to use the true lightning rune through all of chapter three which rules it's, because yeah. it's, <laughs> lightning <laughs> Lightning magic is very good at this game, and Ghetto is basically um, the best lightning magic user in the game, which mm-hmm. makes him awesome. Uh, uh, Zach, I think you mentioned that in the previous episode, and it, it uh, became clear to me very soon after uh, after Ghetto shows off his rune to Joker. But uh, you, you're right; that's in um, that's in Vene del Sexe when they're obtaining a new mission from one of Ghetto's contacts, who ends up being uh, 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 one of Chris's knights, Salome. Yeah. Um, they, mm-hmm. like, so, so Godot, who is a Harmonian bone, uh, um, again, a Harmonian mercenary has been, um, tra- exchanging information with Salome to, I, I'm thinking, so the, uh, so Vinay, 
Delsec, I'm sorry, the Zexans can keep tabs on the Harmonians to see if they uh, are are ever going to invade or 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 similar, which they end up doing. So uh, it, it looked like a, fru- a fruitful partnership after all. Um, but uh, Alana's right. At the end of chap of Ghetto's chapter two, he shows the true lightning rune. Then in chapter three, you get to use the true lightning rune through the whole time. And at the end of his chapter three, it's it's clear that Ghetto was one of the lieutenants of the Flame Champion fifty years ago. But he has not aged because he holds a true lightning rune. And it shows that the um, Flame Champion's other lieutenant was Wyatt Lightfellow, Chris's dad, and he looks exactly like Jimba. Uh, <laughs> So the that's the when you so un, like before Chris knows the player knows that uh, that Chris's dad was the person she dueled in uh, in Ixay Village and uh, sometime when Chris was a small child he left Venedel Zexay to live in Karaya Village under a new name but he still took care of his armor uh, after all those years and I I was not expecting that reveal when I saw it in Ghetto Chapter Three I, I assumed that. Jimba knew Chris Lightfellow's father, mm-hmm. and uh, but but the double reveal of him being Chris Lightfellow's father and being the holder of the True Water Rune uh, who is 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 pretty cool in the moment. Yeah, it is. It is. Cool. Yeah, I think I guessed it from because I think his Ghetto's chapter three maybe starts with a flashback of them in front of a fire. One of them does, mm-hmm. and does, I spotted yeah. the silhouette, and I was like, "That's Jimba." And then when they <laughs> did that reveal, I was like, oh, "It all makes sense now." Um, but you, you you hear parts of that fire conversation at the beginning of each Ghetto you chapter, do. but it, but it, but you it's it's clearer who each speaker is mm-hmm. um, each time you see it, and like I think the second time you see it, it's like, "Oh, one of them is Ghetto," and then the third time you see it, you see the mm-hmm. silhouette. The sil- you can see the silhouettes, and one of whom is the Flame Champion. One of of whom is Wyatt, but I, I didn't pick up on that. I uh, uh, it, it was a nice surprise for me. <laughs> I also have questions about Luce, who adopted Jimba. I want I, I want to know how that happened because like he's a fully grown man and she adopts him and he never ages. Yeah, I don't yeah. Know. Uh, I, I think and Luce and Lucia. I probably both know know who he is. Or, yeah, or, we have or, to, right? Um, Lucia yeah. is the only person who Lucia, knows. Yeah. I don't know if Luce knows. Yeah. So, so Lucy is Luce or Lucy, whatever we want to call her. Uh, uh, I love Lucy. Um, she she is is either just extremely easygoing, like sure, I'll, I'll, you can you can be a kid in my family, or uh, I mean, I, I'm not I'm not sure, but uh, he was technically Lulu's adoptive older older brother for. Mm-hmm. Lulu's entire life, maybe, hey, <laughs> and, so, and, yeah. decades, and decades before. <laughs> yeah, well, at least her like one hundred eight. Um, Lucy's one hundred eight. Um, when you be the game and the credits roll, it says that she like specifically adopts orphan kids and that. So I get it. I know he's not right. a kid, but yeah, she's just just a motherly figure. She's she? nice. Yeah. Sure, I'll be your mom too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I'd want her to be my mom. She's she's got big mama energy for sure. I'll hide you from your wife and daughter. Give my son that. <laughs> so okay, Nash, you've been you've been telling us over and over that you have a wife, but do you have a mom? Uh, so yeah, uh, that's how Ghetto's chapter ends, and then all three characters uh, basically meet Sana in the Flame Champions hideaway. Sana's the elder of Chisha Village, and mentions that she was the uh, romantic life partner of the Flame Champion. And his yeah. spirit, and, and the Flame Champion's dead. Uh, you get to name the Flame Champion at the very beginning of the game, and I, I named mine Retro, obviously. Um, <laughs> so, uh, and, and mentions that, yeah, uh, Retro's dead, but um, here's where his spirit lies and where he kept the true fire rune. 
but one of you three is going to be his successor. Who's going to be? And I, I chose Hugo. Uh, did, uh, did anyone have a non-Hugo choice for their flame champion? No, I picked Hugo. Yeah. <laughs> Always Hugo. Yeah, Hugo too. <laughs> oh wow! We, we, oh wow! Okay. We, <laughs> I think um, I, I wasn't. I, I again think he's the natural choice, but this, I'm a little surprised that we all went the same way. Yeah, I just think that like. Yeah, like I said, Godot, Godot would not be comfortable in that role. Like, he's already uncomfortable with the idea that, like, the Flame Champ... Well, he's not uncomfortable with it, but, like, yeah. it, it wouldn't be right. I don't think if I was in Godot's shoes, I would not want to take over the mantle of the Flame Champion, having seen what happened to the Flame Champion and the Flame Room going out of control and everything mm -hmm. that happened around that war 50 years ago. Like, Godot's responsibility is elsewhere and... He feels a debt to him, but he's not. He, he can't. He cannot. I don't think, and this might be me imprinting it. He cannot take that rollover in my head. Chris, on the other hand, it just didn't feel right. Like given yeah. the flame champion and Zexin and yeah. the Grasslands, it, it just doesn't feel like natural progression. And also, her magic's not very good. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to say. I've, I've done a playthrough where I picked Chris. Um, she is not a great fire rune wielder, and she can't even get like her fourth level of magic. So <laughs> she's she's unusual in that she can wear heavy armor and is a pretty good attacker, but uh -huh. not an elite attacker because she doesn't she doesn't have like the heavy damage skill or the continual attack skill. Mm -hmm. uh, but so um, and, and her only decent magic is water, but. Uh, mm -hmm but she can't even like go very high in the water magic skill. So mm -hmm. I think the best use of Chris is letting her have the true water rune and be basically a healer that's extremely difficult to kill. Yeah. Which is which is uh which is not a bad thing to be, but yeah. still she she's not like the best lightning user in the game like Godot is or mm -hmm. an extremely good attacker like Hugo is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um is this a good time to talk about Thomas's chapters? Because this is yeah, obviously, perfect time. Yeah, because this if you if you don't so Thomas is the fourth main character of Suikoden, and he is he is the Tenkai star, correct? He is the same star that both Rio and uh, oh my god, Tier? Tio, Tio, yeah, are in. Um, Teo is in Suikoden one and two, respectively. Um, yeah, yeah, he's he's the same as Tur and Rio, yeah. Who the main character of Suikoden Three is, is I mean a, a reasonable enough debate. Uh, you could, I mean, uh, 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 Thomas is the Tenkai Star. You could reasonably say any of the three Flame Champion candidates are a main character. Uh, and again, every Suikoden game has a tactician who is sort of secretly a main character, like like Shu in Suikoden Two. And for this game, it's uh, oh, it, it's it's that redheaded Caesar. 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 Oh my. Caesar. Caesar yeah. Caesar and Apple make a return. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, Caesar might be the secret main character of Suikoden Three, for all I know. Um, but it, it's um, the Thomas chapters are introducing the castle town and building the castle town. Uh, yeah, but he, Thomas is the central character for uh, his two chapters, which are optional. But uh, you can recruit, a t do a ton of recruiting and uh, and world building and leveling up in his chapters. Mm -hmm. I actually but, really like the Thomas chapters, like. Um, I mean, because like everybody else is coming from like this really high position, um, even Hugo, like Hugo's like the the son of the Karaya chief village or the Karaya village chief, um, and his backstory is really tragic. <laughs> like that, like mm -hmm. someone from the Jackson so Council, like tossing him aside after his mother dies, um, and I just feel like that's sort of like the innocence of the Thomas chapters, like just like we're gonna build it up, we're just gonna do like this good thing for like. Mm -hmm people 
and the people who live here. And this, like, I, I actually, I actually think that Thomas's two chapters are my two favorite chapters in this whole game because <laughs> yeah. of just the way that it builds community, mm-hmm. and, like it celebrates community and it celebrates like the importance and the value of community as you like are going through that. Um, in a way that I actually don't think the rest of this game does <laughs> very effectively. Um, it, it, it actually feels very Suikoden to me in that way. It, it, three of the pillars of Suikoden are um, sort of uh, r- recruiting this uh, this uh, diverse cast of characters, building a castle town out of these motley recruits, and then sort of engaging in military movements and and sort of nation building with these, uh, it, like from your castle town. Mm-hmm. And Thomas does all three of those things, where the other uh, the other three characters are sort of the military part of it, plus being a more normal RPG with a, a small group of people going on a quest. So, so Thomas's chapters are almost a distillation of what Suikoden is, and also uh, Thomas starts at level one and is feeble from level one, while all of the other characters start from at least level ten, including Hugo, and are more sort of battle ready than he is. So, like, like Thomas gives me the biggest feeling of of building of like assembling your army and also the biggest feeling of starting from nothing of the uh, if we call him a fourth main character of the four main characters um and and his i thought his chapters were great uh i love the uh the weirdos in his town especially juan uh uh, like juan who is one of the best fighters in the game full stop but also it comes equipped with a waking rune so he starts every battle asleep um and he is inspirationally lazy in uh in like in in game and in dialogue uh but and he, he's also the uh the, the martial arts master of the castle or the, the bujutsu master of the of the castle town which you get to which is called budahook uh at the beginning but they all even admit that that's a hard word to say so you get to name it yourself rename it yourself <laughs> <laughs> although the game still calls it homeland or lake castle sometimes in text mm-hmm. uh so yeah uh, the thomas chapters are great uh i i like a lot of the characters in them um and i'm a little bit surprised it was an optional part of the game yeah i I think like as well like the relationship between thomas and cecile is really adorable and cecile also fulfills that like yeah she does the same thing as like sergeant joe does for um (laughs) hugo in that cecile is like the one who keeps bigging thomas up she's like no you've got to do this you'll take this responsibility and she's she's adamant she's a knight and she's got this like knight standing in front of her and he's like no you have to have these things signed off you have to have paperwork and that and she's like no but my father was a knight he defended this castle and she's just got so much like grit and tenacity oh, yeah. that i really she's adore about precious. her yeah i love her yeah she has little sister energy and romantic partner energy and is kind of his sidekick for most of his chapters uh, I, I like Cecile a lot romantic partner energy i did not get that no, <laughs> i think she has a crush on Th- i think she has a crush on thomas i i, I do nah. mm. <laughs> she's very devoted to him and for for knowing him for such a short amount of time and uh but admit that's uh i don't know i might that just might me be having my uh my romance goggles on where i i see relationships <laughs> and they don't necessarily exist she's just an overly um, dedicated knight isn't she she just wants to be where her father is like immediately like mm-hmm. yeah it's okay and she, how many nights do you know that that wear like schoolgirl uniform skirts <laughs> hey she's adorable though <laughs> and and knee socks <laughs> it's like, it's that, so that's a, that's a choice system <laughs> 
But anyway, uh, after you choose your flame champion, you clash with the uh, with um, the fearsome foursome again, uh, and uh, and then eventually um, lose a bunch of fights in a row, and end up having to be driven back sort of uh, towards Thomas's castle, where the where the the armies finally unite. Then through some more you know uh, strategery with help from Caesar, you you fight uh, you fight back the forces of Harmonia and uh, sort of regroup and start chapter five at which point and it's sort of in the middle of chapter four uh a, a lot of dialogue at once which involves um salome and ghetto's group and all of the leaders of the different grasslands villages sort of revealing what's been going on this whole time uh which is the zexan council has been do- having dealings with harmonia to hand over grasslands to the harmonian empire for, uh, by using the Zexan army as a pawn to fight the grasslands for grasslanders for a while, get the grasslanders sort of off balance and uh, if not decimated, then at least distracted, so that Harmonia can come in and sweep up all the grasslanders and then enter and then with Zexan and Harmonia entering a an economic partnership uh, uh, alliance, perhaps even a, uh, or even perhaps become subjugated to the Harmonian Empire. Yeah. Uh, Following that, so it's basically the 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 council um, selling selling out their whole country and their people so that the Harmonian Empire can uh, expand coast to coast, and uh, which is you know a, a disgusting act of politics and military to everyone involved except for maybe the council themselves. Yeah, incredibly short-sighted by them. Yeah, and 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 of course the Harmonians would honor the deal to give them, yeah, totally. them to, to retain control. Of course they would, right? <laughs> um, so uh, a lot of Chapter Four is fighting a Harmonian Empire that's supported by uh, by um, the masked mage and his cronies. I think I've accidentally said who he was earlier this episode. My bad, but. Uh, um, at the end of chapter four, the or maybe in, early in chapter five, the masked mage takes off his mask, um, and we we know that he was a bishop of Arv Harmonia, but it ends up being revealed as Luke, the wind mage, who was a major character in Suikoden one and two. Mm-hmm. And Luke mentions being thirty years old, uh, despite appearing to be a teenager, and that's because uh, for a long, long time he's been the holder of the true wind rune and has not aged since being in his early teens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this would have been really surprising had I not known already. Unfortunately, right. the internet. I, I, I also knew already, and that was because of me uh, looking up Luke on his wiki page yeah. while I was playing Sweet in Two. <laughs> I think as well, like even though he's slightly aloof in like one and two, like I I never got any like really evil vi- like evil energy off of him. Like I just thought he was a little bit arrogant. No, he. he- I thought he was he a bratty teenager. Yeah, yeah. So he was a teenager who gave sort of a trickster vibe. Yeah, um, right. But but, uh, but but not really uh, evil or self-destructive. Um, but uh, let's get into the sort of main struggle now. Uh, uh, Luke holds one of the uh, five true runes, uh, mm-hmm. the true wind rune, and sometime before the events of Suikoden Three, learned that you can destroy a rune um, if you sort of combine the powers of of four to destroy a fifth and one of the ways to do that is getting the five elemental runes and we've mm-hmm. talked about the the true fire rune held by the flame champion the true water rune held by chris's father uh wyatt and the true lightning rune held by Godot. there's also a true earth rune which is held by sasurai uh, mm-hmm. a character who's, who's shown up in previous weekend games but is a, another bishop of harmonia and and luke 
and Sasurai call each other brothers, although exactly what they are is more complicated than that. So Luke tries to steal the other four to destroy his own true wind rune because he's been holding the true wind rune for so long. Uh, he has sort of a, a feeling of helplessness and, and, uh, uh, and a complete absence of eff- efficacy that uh, the, every event is predetermined because of the power of God and the power of God is contained in the 27 true runes. And if you were to destroy one of the 27, that would at least be, let's say a crack in the uh, in in the in the will of God that might be able to um, uh, give the world true free will and and mm-hmm. uh, and Luke has just been living in some cycle of self-hatred for at least the past 15 years because uh, Sweet and two was 15 year, mm-hmm. was 15 years earlier uh, possibly longer yeah which, which gives him these these, these world ending ambitions mm-hmm. well in a way he's out to save the world in his own sort of way. He's. It's more than like he's been having like literal visions of like a, a world of nothingness. Like the ruins crave the sort of um, he has visions of the white world or the mm. the dharma of that. You know, a sort of like Buddhist sort of interpretation of like just this complete stillness and the sort of this the will of all these ruins that are heading towards that, or at least the wind rune. I'm not sure if the other ruins really are going towards that, and he's wanting to destroy this room because he's trying to like stop the stagnation of like the eventuality that everything's just going to become so still and nothing that is better to be living in sort of chaos and have like free will and stuff like that so in a way he's he's trying to save the world it's my interpretation yeah no no he believes he he is saving the world Mm -hmm. by taking a swing at god and and granting the world free Mm -hmm. will yeah. Um, but but uh, again, we mentioned fifty years ago that 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 war ended by the by the true fire runes seal releasing and killing thousands of people. And uh, ag- but that's just a sort of unleashing a rune. Actually, mm-hmm. destroying a rune um, would maybe like do a nuclear level explosion yeah. and, mm-hmm. and 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 wipe out part of the continent. And mm-hmm. that and and Luke knows that uh, what he's doing would kill millions, but he believes that it it's for the better of the world. It's a greater good sort of thing, yeah. 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 A, a real dark a real dark real destructive greater good act. Yeah. But uh, but for very understandable reasons, uh, the main characters of Suikoden 3 do not want Luke to accomplish this. And, um, and, 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 and Luke becomes the central antagonist at the end of chapter four. And also we should mention um, chap- the end of chapter four uh, is what happens is when Chris discovers who her father is because you, you, you go through some uh, a, a, a dungeon of ruins um, to obtain the true water rune. And uh, on his deathbed, essentially, Jimba slash Wyatt hands over the rune to Chris. And, but the water rune becomes unsealed um, just before that happens, so you uh, so the entire second half of the ruins is covered in ice, and you have to fight a giant water dragon um, to to get there. Yeah, that's which is dragons. It's pain in the butt that fight. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, I don't really think any of the winnable fights in Suikoden Three were that hard, but that was one of the tougher ones because it, it has it has nine icicle buddies that keep attacking you. Yeah, they respawn <laughs> after every turn. Says you with all the fury runes. May I add? Oh, hold on. <laughs> I, I, I only had, had as many fury runes as I had. I only had two fury fury runes, but I didn't grind for them, so I, I, I'm I'm lucky in that regard. I had seven. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I had one of them on uh, Fubar and one of them on Emily for basically the whole game. 
I had one of them on literally every character in my party at almost all times. (laughs) (laughs) The game was not very hard after that. (laughs) So you didn't even you didn't even have to use that uh, that jungler spell that that that. Oh, I still did. (laughs) Break the game. I beat, I, we'll talk about this later, but I beat the last boss in less than a turn. So what? <laughs> I, I did. I, I did beat the final boss on, in three turns and thought I was a baller, but I have I not. died four times. Oh my god! I hate this series now. It's not fair. The RNG hates you, Alana. It does. I, um, to pull it back a bit, did anyone think this did not have any emotional punch at all with Chris finding out that her father was Wyatt? Like. I, I my my I agree. I mean, like like yeah. at this point in the game, like it's still not text until after Jimba dies yeah. or Wyatt mm-hmm. dies, and she says like "bye, dad" or something like that. I don't remember what she says, but like he never tells her. Like, can you find out why he never tells her in the final chapter of the game? Mm-hmm. But like, like in an effort, and I feel like they do this a lot in this game in an effort to like obfuscate the truth in like a build the mystery kind of way. It crushes the emotional weight of things. And I think it happens a lot in this game, actually, throughout. Mm. Yeah, it's just really sudden. They don't really deal with it at all with her. Like, apparently, you know, Chris's entire journey was to, like, I don't know. Part of the journey was to go and find her father because that yeah. was what Jimba said to do. You know, go to the Flame Champion because you'll find out something. It's like, you, you could have said something there or, like, there could have been something else. Like, there's just something missing. I don't know if it's any different if she's the flame champion. I'm assuming not. And having read around a little bit, I haven't seen anything, like, if there's any more emotional mm-hmm. development there. But, like, yeah, it was like, I really like Chris, but, like, this was just, like, a kind of, oh, he's your dad. Oh, no. It's like, it's like it felt like a convenient way to have the entire main cast, or at least the entire main three, have a true rune each, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, my biggest criticism of this game is that, like, I just don't feel the same emotional pull, like the, the interpersonal yeah. politics, like the yeah. the Pan versus Tio, the Rio Ryu versus Joey, like like mm-hmm. that, like that interpersonal like emotion versus duty versus like there's a little bit of that with Chris, but like they had an opportunity here with the Jimba thing, and I feel like they missed it. Yeah, yeah this game is interesting, but I like I, I don't I don't. I don't know if any part of it is really that powerful or affecting. Like, like there are cool things in this game, and I thought that uh, that the secret identity of Jimba was a cool plot point, and I, I I enjoyed it as I was experiencing it. But there's nothing in Suikoden Three that's at the level of the relationship between Rio and Joey or Rio and Nanami. And uh, and again, again, I, I hate to just compare this to the other Suikoden game I've played, but. Uh, it, it, like for all the cool and interesting things that Suikoden 3 does and, and, and for as fun and diverse the cast is, it sometimes feels a little wooden. And um, the, I, I don't know if this, uh, mm, I, I, yeah, there, there's, there's, I understand not feeling emotional weight to what was happening, even though that's a scene that should have a lot of an emotional weight to it. At, at the end of chapter four, uh, you have three true rune holders uh, with your flame champion uh, plus water and lightning. And I think, I think he, if, if Chris or Ghetto chooses the fire rune, then their natural rune goes to Hugo. A non-spoiler guide alluded to that uh, to me, even though I don't, I, I didn't actually get to see it. But um, in chapter five, everyone's at the castle. You're sort of regrouping and trying to accomplish small things. Um, Hugo go at least in my game with Hugo as the flame champion. Um, 
Hugo uh, def- defends Brass Castle from a Harmonian force. Ghetto travels to Lubuk to try and drive the Harmonians out of there. And Chris goes to uh, um, Kinan because they received an, a message from there that they're in trouble. But uh, all three of them basically ended up being traps by Luke's group. And um, they uh, Luke steals the true runes of each of them in, su- in succession. I, I think the order is Ghetto, Chris, Hugo. Yeah. Uh, and Luke. I think that's true regardless. Yeah, yeah, right. I think so. And Luke also steals the true Earth rune off of Sasarai. Um, and you also find out that Nash has been like working with Sasarai behind the scenes because I think Sasarai's turned up um, in um, a couple of the army battles. Like he comes out of nowhere and he's got this ridiculously powerful <laughs> lightning spell that you have just have to run away from him. Uh, Luke obtains all five true runes, uh, in- including his his own true wind rune, uh, during chapter five. And then goes to a quote cer- uh, ceremonial site end quote uh, mm-hmm. that's at the, sort of the north end of the map and to try to accomplish his task of destroying his own t- true wind room with the power of the other four runes and uh, at this point you uh, your armies sort of all combine and that's the uh, the final act of the game um, and with the last characters joining you being um, them Duke boys from the uh, from the ghetto chapters plus Sasarai and his uh, and his attendant Dios all sort of joining back to back. And at that point, you sh- if you've collected every single person in the in the 108, you should have 104 stars on your star tablet. Yep. The ceremonial site is where the final battle of the game is. You fight a sort of giant wind bird uh, ver- uh, version of Luke that I, I think might be a uh, a mythological bird from a hin- from Hinduism, or at least an approximation of one. Uh, and uh, with four elemental crystals backing him up, not unlike, you know, Kulex and Super Mario RPG, maybe. Um, <laughs> uh, and and uh, after that fight, you get your sort of uh, your victory screen with uh, with, you know, the world entering a more stable state. Uh, yeah. But no. But, but and, you know, everyone going home together, but no true end credits yet, because if you've collected all 104, then uh, you get a special sixth chapter in which you see all the machinations of what Luke's been doing since the beginning of the game. Mm-hmm. What do we think of the, the, the main court bad guys uh, as a whole? Uh, I'm, it's interesting. I've, I, mm-hmm. I think this is probably my favorite chapter of the game just because mm-hmm. I think Luke is very interesting. Uh, it's really good to see the motivations because I'll be honest, like... Once everything fell into place in the main story, I was kind of a bit disappointed that most of the army battles were essentially manipulated by like multiple mm-hmm. ghost clones of like soldiers uh, mm-hmm. going in to attack your army. So it's like, I know that like the war was manipulated in certain ways in Sweden Two and to a degree in Sweden One, but like this felt way more obvious, right? It was like yeah. it, it felt like the puppet playing with the strings kind of thing, and I'm like. <laughs> It, it it's just not as deftly done but then when i saw the other side of it it kind of helped mm-hmm. me a little bit like because we've already said like you know luke is trying to do this to save the world like he's mm-hmm. trying to save the world in his own way and like he really struggles at times like he's trying to stay on path and it's interesting to see like his relationship with sarah um i don't really like the romantic implications of their relationship i think it's a little weird but yeah, yeah it's fine uh uber is just there because <laughs> it's uber um here's my real question where's pez merja oh Come god on. yeah oh my god i would have loved to see you know i mean yeah. yeah and then um the, the real the real question is where is Georg with his giant ass sword <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, we're at here. But like one thing that we may have brushed over, which links back to the main story as well, is um Albert. Um and Albert's not around for much of like Luke's chapter. Um because uh-huh. he's kind of so Albert is the brother of Caesar, correct? And yes. Albert and Caesar mm. are both Silverbergs. Yes. <laughs> yeah, um, and then he and he plays the role of that Leon Silverberg played in Swigadin too, where oh, he's yes. the sort of, he's the other side's tactician. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, he's great. He's a grandson of the Leon Silverberg. Yeah, and like there, it's really interesting because like Albert's not even doing it to like win the war. Albert's doing it to get a higher position in Harmonia, and mm-hmm. then once he's done, yeah. he's like, "I'm going now. I don't." It's care a career move. Yeah. I'm like, whoa, yeah. that's yeah, pretty yeah. devious. He's so callous about the about what happened in battle and so detached from it that basically everything he accomplished as the tactician for Luke was like an audition for for Harmonia. Like, 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 look what I pulled off with a group of four people manipulating the armies of two nations and plus gr- the Grasslands tribes. What do you think I could do uh, for Harmonia? And then mm-hmm. he gets uh, he basically gets hired by them after the war, mm-hmm. uh, after handing the flame rune, uh, the, sorry, the true fire rune back to Hugo. Um, and uh, at one point you're allowed to rename your uh, flame champion the name of the actual flame champion and because Hugo is a dumb name I of course let him be called Retro for the rest of the game um, <laughs> but, I but, made it uh, Zach and then I accidentally made it Zach and I, I, w- I was intending to keep it as Hugo and then I was like I'm not going back like an hour to save scum <laughs> on that <laughs> so but like, I think that I mean that's another thing of Suikoden games where uh, like they, they're both sides employ tacticians mm-hmm. who are, you know, are involved in their own schemes, but aren't warriors, but have their own struggles. Like, like Leon Silverberg is secretly one of the main antagonists of Suikoden 2, and Shu is strictly, secretly one of the, like, maybe the main character of Suikoden 2. So it's, uh, like, how, how they handle, like, the tacticians having almost a, a side conflict to the actual conflict of the game is something that mm-hmm. Suikoden 2 and 3 both do in an interesting way. But, I mean, how cold is Albert? Doing all of this and 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 deliberately al- like allowing the world to be almost destroyed, only to s- have it be saved at the end, just to prove how smart he is. And it's like, man, just, like the Silverberg. I love the Silverbergs. So interesting. All the tactician characters are extremely interesting. And yes, so actually, my favorite tactician isn't even a Silverberg. Right? Yeah, actually, yeah. I think Caesar is the least interesting of them. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I, I, think, um, I think. And the two best are the one from two and the one from and five. One from five. And yeah. Neither yeah. of whom yeah. are Silverbergs. Yeah, I uh, I did not. I have not played Suikoden in five, but I did edit those episodes. Yeah. <laughs> so I, we I talked about that question. tactician for probably forty-five minutes oh, of our recording cool. time. So <laughs> we love her. She's oh, I'm so excited. <sighs> All right, so. Uh, I thought that Suikoden three was really good. Like it, it's, uh-huh. it's, it has. I have so many annoyances with it. It's so slow. The camera's bad. I the camera is so bad that during the <laughs> final, during the final battle, I had on um, both Emily and Juan on my team. So, but both of them like attack six or eight times in a row, right? Uh, where the camera would be a, an extreme zoom zoom of the boss's head with just damage <laughs> numbers appear appearing at the bottom of the screen with no characters visible, like, yeah. because the, the dynamic camera in battle and the a fixed camera outside of battle are just so bad, but also this is a 2002 PS2 game, so of course the camera's bad. But like, there's backtracking. 
there's slowness. The combat is sluggish. Sluggish. I don't like the camera. The uh, there isn't any voice acting, which started to become an expectation during the PS2 era. And uh, there's a lot of annoyances to Suikoden Three, but I think that the story is genuinely good, mm-hmm. and the the Suikoden things of recruiting your 108 and building your castle town are great. Yeah. Uh, although I do I do wish the castle's state did change. Like you still have holes in the wall, like with 104. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, yeah, it's weird. It's quite humbling though. Like it's it's not it's not even a castle. It's a manor, isn't it? Like come yeah. on, it's, gonna be a real it's a manor with with walls around the village. But there should have been a way for me to pay 800 thousand potch to fix the hole in the wall. But yeah. but but, but <laughs> the other castles have a pirate ship in the back, do they? So. That's, that's, pretty, yeah. that's pretty good. Yeah. I, I, I mean, one of them oh, is yeah. a ship. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah i don't know like even i think even i'm the sort of like mediocre to good suikoden game is like still like in the top tier of any sort of jrpg anyway so i think it's like suikoden 3 is still a great game despite all its flaws honestly i mean the, the ps2 is a loaded system for jrpgs <laughs> and this is um, I don't. I don't think this is the best PS2 RPG. I don't know. I don't, we don't need to do. It. Maybe ranking PS2 RPGs is a whole another episode. Jake, of Jake, Jake, Jake to is number one. I understand. Ah, I see. Yes. <laughs> uh, um, but like, like, uh, Sweden Three is a hundred percent just in in that in that list. It's like like uh, of like you talk about great PS2 uh, RPGs. Now I have to mention Sweden Three because I thought this game was genuinely good, even though there are plenty of caveats to um to be had about it. Um, do we have any other specific complaints that I didn't mention? Because my, my my least favorite might be that camera. I, I found it so annoying that I could hardly ever walk in a straight line in this game. Um, the, the pacing for me is really what's the strangest thing about this game because like chapters one through three are hyper repetitive. Um, and I, I, I get the point. Cool. Like if they had done like maybe through chapter two, I would have been happy with the Trinity site system. Mm-hmm. But by the time I got to chapter three, I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah, we're going to see this from two different perspectives. Oh, we're at the Thomas chapter. Oh, I remember when Godot was here. I know what happens here. Oh, it's so cool to see her from another perspective. No, it's not. I'm bored. Um, like, that that was an issue. And then, like, at the beginning of chapter four, like, everything just blows up immediately. Like, as soon as you become the Flame Champion, you go through, like, four battles where you lose them all, which is, like, something that was spread throughout every other Suikoden game. Like, you're always on the losing end at the beginning. Mm-hmm. But I felt like I got, like, an entire Suikoden game in chapters four and five and like the build up to a, a Suikoden game in chapters one, two, and three and all the other ones. And it, it was interesting, but it wasn't always fun to play. Um, yeah. But like, if I'm going to say something like positive about it, I feel like the 108 here are so much better than they are in the first two. Yeah. Um, just in terms of getting characters who have um, character and dynamics and things like that. And like, there are not that many none of the optional recruits are like a pain um i can think of plenty in suikin and two that are a pain i can think of one in particular in suikin and five that is an enormous <laughs> pain um like it's not that it's not that hard so i kind of like that part of it but like i'm glad because i still put 60 hours into this game even without the 108 being difficult to recruit yeah my my clock uh, time was almost exactly 51 hours so this is this is a medium to long jrpg but there's so much backtracking and repetition that i feel like they like it could have been 35 to 40 and mm-hmm. without really fixing anything yeah i think so um yeah um we haven't talked about the music and i don't really think we can because like right. it's not good 
Like it's, it's it's really average, and I don't like saying that about any RPG. Like I I can't and, remember and, like a single track apart from the title theme and maybe one town theme, like the Dark Village theme. It's like do 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 do, and I'm like yeah, I just don't really. It's disappointing. Like because Sweden one and two like. Their music is memorable. There's some really memorable themes, like Under the Moonlit, mm-hmm. you know, the Moonlit one is one that plays in multiple games in the series. And then, like, you've got, like, not much here. And to think, like, Michiri Yamane worked on this soundtrack as well. Yeah, that, like, that, that's, the, that, that's the big disappointment to me, is because I adore Michiru Yamane's Castlevania music. And uh, I, I can... I, I can recall at least one song from each of her big uh, Castlevania soundtracks or maybe the entire soundtrack in the case of Symphony of the Night. Yep. But and, but this feels like her opportunity to, to contribute to a score of a big RPG. And like that is is so interesting and exciting for me. And the result is a little boring. I, I can only remember a couple town and battle themes and, and the main opening theme, which I don't believe she did. Uh, and that's because I, I, you know, I was playing the game less than 24 hours ago. And, and, uh, but it's, the music is average to below average for this strong age of JRPGs. And that's disappointing. Yeah. And like to spin it, like to put something positive here as well, just to balance it out, like, and to bring it back to Luke a little bit, I think if there is one character this game does really humanize, it's probably Luke. And it's mm-hmm. the, I think my one of my favorite part of the whole game is the duel between Luke and Sasurai um, in yeah. the ceremonial mm-hmm. site. Um, and all the aftermath after that, where like Thomas and Cecile are like trying, or beforehand, Thomas and Cecile are trying to fight him. And then mm-hmm. he keeps pushing them away. And then, yeah, just the whole build up around that situation. And, and, and the reveal at that duel that um, Luke and Sasurai are sort of quote brothers unquote is because yeah. they're both they're both clones of the Grand High Priest of Harmonia, Hikusak. whose name, yeah, Hikusak. I could not remember his weird vowel laden name, <laughs> but uh, but like Hikusak's ambition is to gather as many of the true runes as possible, and because mm-hmm. Hikusak is able to hold a rune, I think he has the Circle Rune. Mm-hmm. Um, He's made it. They developed technology, cloning technology or homunculus technology to make um, young or appearing to be young clones of Hikusak to collect the runes. And Sasurai and Luke are two of them. And uh, Luke, the the weird um, spherical crystals that he used to steal uh, the light, the true water, lightning, and fire runes over the course of the game are basically crystal vessels that are like the seeds for future clones and when he shows it when, it, when he shows an empty crystal a couple times they have like eyes and a brain floating oh, yeah. in them, which is which is creepy once you realize exactly what it is it's like this is all of the the dna material for a human and it can hold a crystal because they're clones of a crystal bearer yeah. I'm, I'm sorry a, a, a rune bearer whoops crystals mm-hmm. rune. I've played, a lot of, I've, played, I've played a lot of games where you're collecting crystals or runes. Yeah. Um, uh, a shout out to Seventh Saga for the Super Nintendo. Uh, <laughs> but the, but uh, like that reveal that like Luke discovers this maybe n- not maybe not 30 years ago when he was born, but sometime recently, and like the revelation that he's a manufactured human that uh, there's no such thing as free will because of the power of God mm-hmm. and that he'll be, Im- he'll be living immortal with these, with these thoughts and ideas and, and sort of, s- and seeing the past and future through holding the true wind room mm-hmm. was, it was too much for him to bear. And that's, that's what made him 
snap and start uh, all, every, all the events of Suikoden 3. Ma- humanizes him as a villain in, uh, yeah. in, you know, I thought was a pretty good way. Like, like Luke went from being, oh, that wind kid from Suikoden 2 <laughs> to a really memorable Suikoden uh, character for me. And yeah. over yeah. the course. Yeah. In his in, at the end of this game, when you learn all this, there's, yeah. Oh, go on. Go ahead. Go ahead, Alana. I was going to say there's the one line I was referring to earlier that he says. I can't remember the exact bit, but he says it to Sasori. He says, "Um, he says I hate you more than anything in the world, but more than anything, I empathize with you. You're the only person I empathize with, mm. and that just takes that with coupled with him. It's because Sasori reminds him of Hikasaki and it reminds of him of being a clone, essentially. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, yeah. It just really drove home. That was like maybe the one moment where I was like okay now i feel something here like not to say that mm-hmm. i didn't like get attached to anybody because I, I did really like hugo by the end of the game i think ghetto is a really cool character but like he's still so enigmatic by even the end game it's yeah like... <laughs> ghetto is so aloof that I, he was the three the one of the three main characters <laughs> i struggled to connect with the most but by the end of the game i went from um from sort of disliking chris in her first chapter to really thinking she was the, maybe the, the strongest arc in the whole game i, yeah. I really like i really like chris by the end i'm glad mm-hmm. Because I know you had like problems with her. Um, for yeah, I just thought she was really. I just thought she was too much of a cop. In, I mean, in, she goes <laughs> back to being a cop at the end. Yeah, yeah exactly. But now, but, now she, but but the uh, like this is the only time in in history I will support a military coup. In, in <laughs> but like 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 uh, but her true desire is to um, is to work with her with the other of the, the other knights, probably Salome mostly, to um, mm-hmm. to sort of uh, get rid of the council and, and fix the system from within, which is the the only kind of cop I want is, is the one that is trying to improve a, a bad system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You were also totally right last podcast with your Boris um, theory. Right. Yeah, yeah, like I, oh, yeah. I, I thought he was. I thought he was either under some control or, uh, or it was a fake one. And and Sarah mentions that she left some kind of beast rune level trap that increases the rage of people mm-hmm. nearby, which is also there before Chris kills Lulu, which I think is important to note. Yeah. yeah. Um, so so Chris probably wasn't a maybe either Chris or Lulu or both were affected by that. So it's uh, mm-hmm. even though Chris Lulu's death was Chris attacking in self defense, mm-hmm. um, maybe that that rage trap or whatever it is because rage is just a fire rune in this game but, but, but that w- whatever sarah did might have affected lulu to attack chris maybe so there, there, there's layers to this game mm-hmm. um but uh, before uh before we really shut it off i mean we we talked about a lot of favorite characters in the in the previous episode but mm-hmm. now that i've seen them all I, I want you to each give me one more just, just it doesn't have to be a favorite just a character that you either used or enjoyed uh-huh. recruiting or something and i have to uh Oh, who I'll, I'll give you some time to think because I have to shout out uh, the the bugs in this game. Um, um, <laughs> Ruby, I, like, Ruby, and Bright. It was so great seeing Bright again, fully grown, and uh, Ruby, the giant beetle, being ridden by Franz. I uh, for one of the uh, for one of the strategic battles near the very end. I, I think the one right before the ceremonial site. I made my sort of main team that went and defeated everybody: uh, Hugo, Fubar, Ruby, and Bright. And because you can't have people ride their animals in strategic battles, and it was so much fun. I got to play Pokemon for for a battle with just the the teenage main character <laughs> and his, and his, and his monsters. I, I wish I like the three monster characters in this game so much. I I I, I could have done with six or seven. I wanted more. That, like Fubar is is such a good boy, and and Ruby is such a good girl. Did you mm-hmm. go for any of the optional dogs? 
I know there are four optional dogs. I found one of them, but I was concerned about beating this game in time for the podcast, mm, and yeah. I was uh, so I, uh, I I did not seek out the other multiple do- the other optional dogs. But when I played Suikoden two last year, I I mean I had the wolf and and one of the squirrels in my fight against Luca Blight. Okay, I just I just <laughs> love Suikoden. That's an interesting interesting choice. Did anybody go to the the dogs viewpoint on the Trinity site? Yeah, and go talk to Jin. I did. Yeah. <laughs> His name seems like he looks like a Shiba, and it's um, is it Kokoroku? What's his name? Kuroku? That sounds right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's some combinations of of K's and O's, and maybe. And I love his message on the final one, like he's doing fine. Yeah, yeah. If you collect the whole Sentai of dogs, does his message change? Does his message change? I don't know. I I've never done it. No, I don't know either. So tell me, what kind of uh, um, multi-scarved animals can you collect in Suikoden's 4 and 5? Animals in 4 are cats. <laughs> All right. Yeah, All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On a boat. Yes, we, got, we go from squirrels to dogs to cats. What does Suikoden 5 bring to the table? Uh, oh, beavers. Oh, excellent. Yes, yes, of excellent. Oh, excellent. <laughs> oh, oh, I got I got to I got to track I got to track down a copy of Suikoden 5 what, so I can have what, one is a a rock and roll beaver with a mohawk and a guitar. Yes. It's amazing. Fantastic. And a leather jacket. Beaver the beavers are absolutely phenomenal in Suikoden. They are. <laughs> oh. oh, that gladdens my heart. But uh what what's Suikoden, back to Suikoden 3. What's Suikoden 3 recruits gladden your heart anyone? Do they have to be recruits? Because I was going, yeah, well, I was going, I was going to say I like Sarah. I, I do like oh. her. I, I really, yeah, that was going to be my pick. Yeah, but yeah. Oh, she, good one. Oh, good. I wasn't sure what the room was on Sarah because, like, you know, I, I, I can see her being divisive. <laughs> I mean, uh, she's so devoted to Luke because mm-hmm. he was the only because uh, she was in a similar situation to him, being mm-hmm. ha- uh, ha- having natural magic power. She was mm-hmm. like I- imprisoned and being used by the bishop, and he was the only person that treated her like a yeah. person. So they kind of got so, each other, yeah. Um, I, I, I wish they had escaped the uh, the ceremonial site, uh, scene, but but definitely died together in it, which is sad. You got the little mm. scene with Lightning at the end. Yeah, <sighs> uh, I do. I do feel for her, and I also, I, I again, to this house, Sweetin has some great female complicated characters that are yeah. interesting, and I, I always love it. And I love that that she's like a very powerful female character antagonist who is also incredibly loyal and not in like a toxic relationship with Luke. You know, it's like a, it's like a, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a thing. Like a, a weaker game would make her, you know, betray him because, Ooh, women always betray and stuff like that. So I really like her sort of character as a whole, especially in the grand scheme of writing in JRPGs. Yeah. I don't love that romantic relationship, like mm-hmm. I said, but I do it's like, like her age. as yeah. a character. Yeah. yeah it's, I just mean it, it's not like uh, he's not using her to exploit yes. her solely. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he genuinely likes her. I, I believe that. Like, he is the fondness of her. Yeah. I, like, yeah, I, 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 I he genuinely cares for her, but I don't mm-hmm. think there's a, there's a really room for love in Luke's heart at, at, right, for exactly. where, he, where he is as a person. Yeah, exactly. I bet it's not like a she's a, a a woman attracted to an abusive man or anything like that it's just a it's just a sad little relationship yeah then she's a woman devoted to an unusually driven man yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's mine i'm sorry zach i stole it no it's fine <laughs> it's a good one i mean like i said if, if it because i'm not sure because I, I, I just like sort of like know some of the stuff in my head mm-hmm. like how much do they tell you about her backstory in the game itself 
not a ton. It's only in um, Luke's chapter, isn't it? It's when yeah. you're yeah. in the book, isn't it? Just I think I think he had told she was born with a rune and you know, she was treated, she was ousted from her village. And that she was picked up by like not when she was does it tell you that she was picked up by like not when she was seven and like Luke and may... Sarah lived together for many years? Yeah, that I, okay. yeah. I, yeah, I think the, the, they, the, I think uh, they might mention it. I'm not sure. Yeah, the the fa image at the end of the game is a mm-hmm. uh, child Sparrow with holding hands with Luke and letting. Them yeah, it's a sort of little touchy bite. Like, There's yeah. spirits. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I love that last scene too, but oh, with, with like yeah. not because yeah. like I, I remember like the first time I played this game, I'm like, why is it like not here? And like now I'm like, duh, because <laughs> like Luke is on the other side, <laughs> yeah. um, which is really cool. Uh huh. Aww. I'm sad again. <laughs> Let's get happy again by talking about some more favorite uh, favorites among the 108 stars. What you got? I just want to shout out Peggy, the blacksmith. She's, oh. she's so cute. I love the lizard blacksmith so much. Like, I don't know. There's nothing particularly special about it at all. It's probably the most predictable pick I could have picked. But like, I don't know. I would never scary. have predicted Peggy. The never. Yeah. never. Peggy is a very, very good lizard who just loves forging weapons. Yeah, she's so excited all the time yeah. when you give her a new hammer. Yeah. She's so yeah. jacked yeah. about yeah. it. Yeah. I didn't get the gold one because I know the like that the last one you is like a random cell in like um Ixay. It's an Ixay, but I, I was. I just checked Ixay's shop every time I went by there, and there's so much backtracking in this game. I went by there like 40 times, so I I, I was able to get the golden hammer without a struggle. But uh, oh, I, I mean, I mean, it, it was it, it was it was just to have like a level 16 weapon on uh, on uh, retro Juan and Emily, really. Yeah, I did not do enough grinding for that, unfortunately. Yeah. I, I did a tiny bit of grinding, just mostly for gold uh, or for Potch, I should say, by, by the end game. Um, and it was just fighting the same two treasure bosses and then going back to the lake castle. Mine was mostly for skill points for one because I was like, oh, I want you to be as broken yeah. as possible when yeah. you don't have enough skill points. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, because that brings me to my answer, which I thought would be your answer, Solosi, uh, <laughs> which is Juan. Um, I love Juan. <laughs> is incredible yeah i'm not gonna pick sarah i'm gonna pick Juan because first of all at least without like a ton of work apparently if you like manipulate this game a lot like shabon and mel are the two most broken characters Uh but without a lot of manipulation which is literally just like throwing a fury rune on them um Juan just absolutely destroys everything in his path yeah he also Um, needs a yellow scarf or a turtle tunic so he's not asleep all the time yeah but uh it, it, it like uh Juan and Emily are incredibly easy to just give them a killer rune or a fury rune or both and build up their offensive skills and they will annihilate the entire game. Yeah, I mean, um, in the last fight, I had Juan and Emily and Fubar and Hugo and then Chris just because I wanted her there and then Nay. Um, I threw the John, I saw the, threw the John Giller rune up with Nay and then like. Juan and Emily and Hugo and Fubar killed the whole final boss before Chris even attacked. Um, yeah, I, I, I had I, I had my team was exactly the same, but instead of Nay, I had Ghetto, uh, just just for lightning magic. Um, and I and I beat the final boss, I believe, at the very beginning of the third turn. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was also great. I mean, like, I think this game, and we haven't talked about this. This game does a good job of meeting gameplay and um like like story things so like one being asleep at the beginning of every battle is really cool um one of the things i really like is roadie who is like the apprentice of estella oh, yeah. has oh, yeah. a firefly rune on him 
Yeah. <laughs> and it doesn't make any yeah. sense because he's just a magician. Yeah. Like he's not a tank. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Firefly uh, again. In case the listener doesn't remember, uh, attracts enemy attacked. So you want to throw a Firefly rune on a big tanky character like uh, like 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 Percival or Mua, but having it on a mage just because they're they're unbelievably clumsy, I guess. <laughs> is is a, is a real choice, and also like associate with Stella, who I'm 100 percent sure would throw him to the wolves and it's I, oh God, yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> is... I I fully thought it was part of his quote training that Estelle has given him. <laughs> oh, Take this firefly rune. Don't walk out in the woods. Yeah, you'll yeah. see what will happen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Estelle might be the best offensive mage in the game, other than other than a pumped up Godot. But uh, uh, so I, I did use her for um a, for a little I while. But uh, her personality is just, I mean, the way she introduces herself as, yes, this is the village of women. Where's the village of men? I just was, I, I loved that so there much. There is one in Sweet in 5. Is, yeah. is, it the, is, it the, is it the legendary one that she mentions? It is, is Kind of, yeah. Oh, she's looking for the village. Oh, so Sweet in 5 sounds better every time, every new thing I learn about it. <laughs> it's a fantastic game. It really is. <laughs> Anyway, Juan is my choice, and he's delightful and really powerful and really funny. And I love the moment where like he comes to Thomas's defense at the end of chapter two. I think it's really moving. It's yeah, I like and I love how they, for his uh, for his outfit they designed something exactly in between a like a like a kung fu uh, suit and a like Adidas track suit. <laughs> 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 he's like, yeah, like he is. Uh, yeah, he's uh, Juan. I guess. Uh, in so this weekend in the world, the, the the J and Jam Master J stands for Juan. Um, <laughs> for all for all you Run DMC fans out there, but okay, if, if I'm if I'm talking about uh, Run DMC, maybe we're at the end of the episode. Retro bingo, <laughs> <laughs> uh, listeners. Thank you so much for listening to probably to uh, us talk about Suikoden three for two full podcasts. Uh, I had a lot of fun playing it. I, I, I even though there's a lot of hangups that we have about Suikoden three, I think I was enjoying it more and more the uh, deeper I got in, um, and it's just. Uh, one of the great PS2 RPGs, and the PS2 has a lot of great RPGs. I, that's that's that that's my opinion. I'm sticking to it. But um, if you want to hear us uh, express more opinions, we have a lot more podcasting coming up. Uh, the next six episodes are planned out. We're doing four episodes on Dragon Quest in the month of May. Uh, two of them will be about Dragon Quest Four. One of them will be a Dragon Quest fantasy draft because you know I love me some fantasy drafts. And the th- and the last one will be a Dragon Quest villains episode, or I should say an RPG villains episode at the end of the month. And also in June, um, I don't want to say what the Game Journal game in June is yet, but we are doing an episode all about Final Fantasy XIV Shadowbringers, uh, continuing that series for us. And also an episode about Near Replicant, because you might have heard that uh, that game had a remaster come out recently that a lot of people are playing and enjoying. Uh, Alana, Go read you, Alana's uh, review. It's so good. Yes, yeah, Alana, you, um, you published the review for the website uh, right, it's sort of like, uh, probably about a week before this episode airs. So uh, it's definitely out, uh, out for the reading public. Yeah. Go read it, I guess. <laughs> Sorry. Do it. Thank you for that endorsement, Alana. <laughs> Yeah, so, so yeah, <laughs> yeah. So we have some Dragon Quest, some Near, and some FF14 in the next six weeks. Oh. That is a lot of Square Enix in a row, oh, but, a, but, a, but a lot of different, uh, a lot of different spheres within Square Enix. Because I mean, Dragon Quest Four and Near Replicants don't have a ton in common. Let's say. 
But listeners, if you want to reach out to us directly, the best way to do so is to email retro at rpgfan.com. You can also visit rpgfan.com's message boards, our Facebook page, Instagram page, Twitter page, Discord server, YouTube channel, and Twitch channel. Something streaming every day on Twitch, and you can find video versions of uh, of many of our reviews on that YouTube channel, including Alana's near replicant review. Uh, we also have three other fine podcasts: Random Encounter, Rhythm Encounter, and Phoenix Edge about randomness, rhythmness, and Phoenixness, respectively. Uh, you can review Retro Encounter or those other three podcasts on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, however you're listening to us. Please listen. Please give feedback. Please send me emails. I never get emails. Oh. I'll, I'll, I'll send you some solicitation. No, I'm sad. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think the last time I mentioned that on a podcast, Steph did send me some emails. So, yeah, it's, 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 it's appreciated. She's so uh, <laughs> and speaking of Steph, um, uh, she is our social media head for RPG fans. So if you visit Twitter or Instagram or many uh, many of those other places, she is one of the people you are likely interacting with. But let's talk about Twitters that aren't RPG fans. Um, how shall we share our social media with the listeners, starting with you, Leona? Um, I, you can get me on Twitter at Starmongus. And I'm also streaming on Twitch at Star Mongus. I'm playing Birth by Sleep Kingdom Hearts right now. Ooh, yeah. Oh, and uh, before you before you were playing uh, before you were playing that game that I shall not acknowledge, uh, what were you doing in the video game sphere? I made a game. <laughs> Indeed you did. Immortal Saga and it's going very well and it's got had loads of downloads and I'm so happy. I'm so happy. I'm so happy for you. Thank you. It's I'm a also- fire, fire emblem esque game, and it's and I'm very proud of it. <laughs> and I am happy. I'm Sorry. happy for you and proud of you, Leona, because that's a, that's Aww. been a hell of an endeavor, and I'm so pleased that you're finding some success. That's awesome. Thank but you. Uh, we still got to move on. So, Zach, how can listeners find you? Uh, you can find me on Discord at Zach W, or you can email me at Zach W at RPGFan.com. And Alana, how can listeners find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter uh, at Alana Hagues, or you can find me on the RPG Fan Discord as Alana. And listeners, you know how to find me by now, probably. I'm on Twitter at The Real Monsoon, also at Evoker for Dogs, and I am on the RPG Fan Discord as Monsoon Mike. So, I, I think if my if the pattern holds, I'll play my next Squeak It In game in mm. probably fall of 2023. But, uh, but until then... Uh, Let's make it 2022, maybe. Oh, Iodin, yeah, Iodin, yeah. Iodin, Iodin, Iodin. Maybe, that's right. I should cross off another one before uh, before Iodin Chronicles, because that, that game, we've, we haven't seen a lot of it, but what we have seen is pretty exciting. I saw enough yeah. when I saw the title screen. Yeah. <laughs> I, I saw, saw enough when, when I heard I saw... the word Mariyama. <laughs> yeah, I saw yeah. enough when I saw Zach and Leona get really excited. I was like, oh, I have to fund this as well, I guess, just for them. I saw, I think I saw like, um, uh, like five character designs that were every kind of person plus beastmen plus a vampire, and I was in. Yes. Oh. Oh. Ooh, ooh, maybe this, maybe that game will have more than three monsters. Oh, please. Have you, oh, seen, please. Have you seen the Skeleton King? I have you'll, not, but it, you'll, you'll love yeah, the Skeleton King. Yeah. a short person as well. Yeah, oh god. The yeah, shark the shark for oh shark boy. God. Give me the shark boy. As a, as a Diablo fan, I can appreciate a, a skeleton king, but I, I am hoping for a monster count that's a little bit larger than two and a half percent for Aoden Chronicles. Uh, but uh, listeners, um, from uh, us uh, current Suikoden fans and future Aoden fans, uh, thank you. Good night and good luck. Mm-hmm.